Okay, Booker Tov, top of the morning. We continue our study of Nesiva Shalom, the Salonim Rebbe's magnificent Hasidish interpretation of our parsha. There's so many beautiful pieces on this week's parsha. I was really debating which piece to do. He has a beautiful piece on, on really one of my favorite insights of the whole Torah is how Yosef has Shem Shamayim Shagur Befiv. Yosef is, is the first really nuanced Kirov individual because he doesn't do overt, explicit, in your face Kirov, but very nuanced. And I, and I think it's really a model for um, balabatim, so to say. Non-professional. People in the workplace who are interacting. If Yosef could interact with the people in his life, with always Hashem Shemai, with always Be'ezra Hashem, Emir Hashem, Chaste Hashem, uh, what are the other Hashems? All the Hashems. So then we can't do Anyway, it's a beautiful piece, but that's not the one we're going to do. We're going to do the next one. Not Chal Hashem. Gadol HaNisayon Shal Yosef. Medrash. <laughs> this is why it comes Sunday mornings, Kesko, for your entertainment. But Medrash, Vayi Achar Hadvar and Megomer, Amar Abba, Nisnasa Zakeni Nisnasa Ve'ani Eni Misnasa. Amar Kosh Baruch Hu Chayecha Shani Menasa Oscha Yosef Mehem. Yosef complained to Hashem and he said, "My grandfather was tested, and I'm not going to be tested. If it's true, Hashem, that the way you express your affection, your love for your children, is to put them in a position that position that they're tested. And we've spoken about in the past the notion of a test, a nais." That word nes, nun samach, is the root of lanus. You could run away from a test, but it's also v'sa nes, as we say in our davening, a banner, a flag. So the moment that you're tested can either be a banner, a flag you plant in the ground that represents a moment in which you broke through, in which you had a growth spurt, in which you realized your potential, you saw something in yourself, or it can be vayanas, you ran away from your test. You tried to flee, like Yoni, you tried to run away from your mission in life. So Yosef says, if a test is an expression of your affection, Hashem, it's how you help people realize who they're meant to be, the best version of themselves, to fulfill their potential. So how come you tested my grandfather? How come you tested my forefathers? You haven't tested me. Hashem says, oh, you want a test, huh? No problem. I'm going to throw a test your way that's going to make theirs look like a joke in comparison. I'm going to give you a test that surpasses that's greater than theirs. It sounds like Yosef's test was even greater. Are you telling me that Yosef endured a test that was more challenging than being thrown into a furnace, attempted murder? Yosef endured a test that was greater than take your son, the one you love, the one through whom I promised you a legacy, violate everything you've preached publicly and go take him and slaughter him? Medrash says, in Parshas B'Shalach, the Shira, the Jewish people, the sea splits, we cross the sea, and uh, we compose, we sing the Shira, Hayam Ra'avayanas, the sea saw and it split. So in what merit did the sea split? The Medrash says, because Moshe was carrying on his shoulders, Aron Yosef, the bones of Yosef HaTzadik were being carried across the sea. And in the merit of the bones of Yosef, the sea split. That's what it says, Hayam Ra'avayanas, B'schus Vayanas Vayatza That same word, Vayanas, in the merit of when Aisha's Potiphar, the wife of Potiphar, in a reverse Me Too movement, moment, when she is coming on to Yosef and, and relentlessly is pursuing him, pursuing him, pursuing him, propositioning him, propositioning him, propositioning him, and in a moment where he's about to give in, it says he came that day, he came to do his work, which Rashi quotes to opinions, to do his work can mean he was balancing the books, he was doing his work, his accounting, <laughs> His management of the of the family. Well, Lasus Malachto means that he was he was that was it. 
he had he had resisted the the pressure endlessly, but he couldn't anymore. He knew that was their holiday. Potiphar and his family were all going to be out at the house of idolatry. Aisha's Potiphar feigned illness. She stayed home for the day. No workers around. It was a national holiday. Everyone was, uh, the house was empty. He came last as Malafto. He was ready. He was going to give in. Because after all, if you think about it, what did he have to lose? What was he going to ruin, ruin his family name? He had no family. His family had abandoned him. He was utterly by himself in the world. So what exactly did he have to lose? And he wasn't the one who initiated it. So he was ready to give in. And yet, at that moment, he found the superhuman strength to run outside. And the Pesach describes, Vayanas Vayatzachutza. He ran and he went outside. So the same word, Vayanas, is used in both places. The description of Yosef fleeing the, 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 the place is Vayanas. And what the sea did when it split was Vayanas. The sea was not ready to split in the merit of Moshe. The sea was not ready to split in the merit of Aaron or the 600,000 Jewish people. It's only because the Aaron of the Helege Yosef, the bones of this outstanding righteous individual, were about to pass through it. That's the only reason it split. So it sounds like this is the greatest of all the tests that any of our forefathers passed. Yosef is of all of us. Because when we're drawn to an internet page, when we have our cell phone, when we have a private moment, and we're tempted to violate a boundary, to give in to our Yitzhahara, to look at something, do something, say something, go somewhere, and we say, what can I do? I was totally hijacked by my Yitzhahara. It wasn't me. It was a momentary lapse of sanity. Don't hold me accountable, Rebona Shalom, because there's nothing I can do. So the heavenly court's going to look at you and say, were you gripped by your Yitzhahara any more than Yosef? Was what drew you and tempted you even stronger than Yosef? Was the opportunity you have stronger than Yosef's opportunity? Did you have less to lose than Yosef? And if Yosef could muster the courage to do what was right, if he could have the resolve to nevertheless overcome the urge so can you. Says the son of Rebbe, tell the heavenly court, yeah, bring that on. That's your case against me? That's your, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's true, my test doesn't come close to what Yosef faced. But I also don't come close to who Yosef was. I didn't grow up in the house of Yaakov. I grew up in a lovely home. My parents are incredible people, just for the record. But none of us grew up in the house that Yosef grew up in. He grew up in the house of, of, of Yaakov. Yaakov, the Bechira Avos, the choicest, the chosen of all the Avos. Yaakov, the greatest, who has within him... Bless you. <coughs> Thank you. Who has within him not only his own qualities... <coughs> Could you just shake my hand for a second? Yeah. Who has within not only his own qualities, he has the great qualities of his of his father, of his grandfather, of his mother, of his grandmother. So yeah, we're going to be challenged. We're going to be indicted for the fact that we gave into our Yetzirah because if Yosef could overcome, you can o- I'm not Yosef. What is the Gemara talking about? Says the Salaam Rebbe, let me tell you, You'll say the same thing about the Akedah. Is what Avram Avinu did so great? Yeah, it's pretty impressive, but he also had Hashem explicitly telling him what to do. So we say to ourselves, you know, if the Rebona Shalom, if the Almighty would talk to me, if he would articulate to me, if he would explicitly reveal himself to me, of course I would jump also. 
my shy? I don't know. But okay, if Akash Baruch Hu said, this is, I my other kids, if Akash Baruch Hu said, this is what you need to do, of course, we like to think to ourselves, if Hashem revealed Himself to me, of course I would jump and do it. So at the moment Hashem told Avram to slaughter Yitzchak, he also created an incredible, excuse me, surge of love of Avram towards Yitzchak in that moment. So now the Nisayon was truly great. Yes, it came directly from Hashem. Yes, Hashem revealed Himself. But it also was in direct conflict with this surge, this overwhelming mm. love that he had for Yitzchak. The thought of doing that to Yitzchak was unimaginable. So great was the surge of love for his little Yitzchak. So great was his affection, not so little Yitzchak, that no one else would have done what Avram did. But his love for Hashem was even greater than his love for Yitzchak in that moment. Yet you're picturing Yosef, this tzaddik, a bucky and shas who davens bekavana and does chesed, never looks, never talks lashnar, never does. He grew up in the home of Yaakov Avinu. He's the son of the God Ador. He's a tremendously righteous, virtuous individual. You're picturing that Yosef. So, like, big deal. Are you telling me that if a woman propositioned the Gedolei Hador, I won't even use a name, I don't want to be Mevaza Tamachacham, but if a woman propositioned one of our greatest Rabbanim, our greatest Tzadikim of our generation, are you telling me it'd be in Nisan for half a second? It'd be nothing. They'd turn around, they'd walk out. Are you kidding? So for Yosef, it was in Nisan? And the answer is, yeah, Kaddish Baruch who created such a power, a surge of the Yitzhahara in that moment. Every voice of self-sabotage, self-destruction, every voice of excuse, of rationalization entered Yosef's head at that moment. Like I said before, I had nothing to lose. My family abandoned me. I have no legacy. What, what's the point of the name? All my teaching, what's it relevant? Uh, God himself orchestrated that I'm here in, in the Gullus. What's it all about? Why not? I've resisted her all this time. Why not? After all, she's the one coming on to me. He had this incredible surge of a Yitzhahara, irresistible. And yet, he resisted. And that's why we can say Yosef is Mechaev, even Rishayim. Because Hashem implanted within Yosef this surge of a Yitzhahara, which far surpassed the Yitzhahara, even the most wicked, even the most immoral, corrupt, unethical person has. Can we ask a question of why he put himself into that situation? He didn't. In other words, one would say, Yichud, okay, you don't put yourself into a situation like that. He went to the house True. knowing she was going to proposition him, and there was nobody around, but he, so there's two he, answers. he went there. There's two answers. The first you can, you can answer mm-hmm. is, you're right, he was ready to go do the, the deed. He was ready to go give into the Yitzhahara. So the miracle is that he stopped himself. He walked away. Mm-hmm. So maybe he had begun to be taken down the, the rabbit hole, the path where that Yitzhahara can lead you. He had rationalized. And that's his godless, is that even in that last moment, he walked away. It's a very powerful lesson in that too, because sometimes we begin to give into our Yitzhahara, and once we're halfway into our Yitzhahara, I won't be explicit now, but we, we say, you know, I'm already, I'm already doing this. I'm already, I already crossed the line. I'm already despicable to Hashem. I already am such a disappointment to myself, so I might as well just finish watching, looking, doing, whatever the Yitzhahara is. 
So look at look at Yosef. It's not true. To whatever degree, if for a moment you didn't click one more time, you pressed stop, you walked away, whatever degree you overcome and overpower, to whatever degree there's some discipline over the Yitzhahara, it is an enormous, enormous thing. Kishbarku loves you. He understands the superhuman strength that it takes. But the second answer is that Yosef did nothing wrong. Meaning, he went to the house, the front door was unlocked, Bala Be'ir, her husband was still in town, he could have walked in at any moment. There's no technical issue of Yichud, let's assume. So what did he do wrong? He went and he was going to lock himself in the study in the house and work on uh, balancing the books. He was going to go wash the dishes in the kitchen, he was going to go mow the lawn. And she's the one who did not stop propositioning him. How did he end up in her bedroom? Okay, fair questions. Anyway, so, V'yadarech, Gemara tells a story of his challenging the Yitzhahara, so Kishbarku presents the Yitzhahara and presents like a pillar of fire. We see the Yitzhahara like fire burns and it consumes and it rages. So the Yitzhahara, it, it totally renders rational, smart, intelligent, accomplished people into morons. That's the power of this Yetzirah, right? Which, again, we have a mature version of the Yetzirah. It's not some devil sitting on your shoulder with a pitchfork. It's not an external voice. Yetzirah means the inner voice, the inner voice, the, the, the Nefesh Bahami. Tomorrow night's the Yitzhah Kislev, the Rosh Hashanah of Hasidus. So, from the Hasidish perspective, the Nefesh Bahami, we're all made up of an animal, and we're made up of a godly spirit, and our entire lives is the battle that rages between us, the animal impulse, the animal instinct, the animal voice that says, be an animal, act like an animal, eat like an animal, keep your room like a pigsty, all the, we use in our language, in our vernacular, all the references to animal. There's an animal in us. The Gemara says we have everything in common with an animal. We eat food, we eliminate the food, and we reproduce. Just like an animal, anatomically, we're just like an animal. So, on the one hand, we're, we're animals. We have an animal instinct, an animal impulse. Do what you want as an animal. An animal has an urge to relieve itself. It lifts its leg next to the closest tree. An animal has another urge. It finds the animal of the opposite gender. Who cares whose backyard? Who cares if it didn't take the other animal out to dinner first? Didn't buy the other animal a gift? It didn't uh, court the other animal? It just does what it wants with the other animal. So that animal drive is within us. We have a nafesh bahami. We have an animal instinct, an animal impulse. But we also have a tzalem al-kim. Kishbarhu filled us with the ruach mamala. He breathed his life into us. He gave us the capacity to be disciplined, sovereign, self-controlled, to rule over that animal instinct, to reject it. Refer says the whole institution of Karbanos is a Jew who had sinned, or for whatever other reason one is bringing a Karban, would go take an animal, bring it to Yerushalayim, go up to the base of Mikdash, and slaughter the animal. And in so doing was essentially affirming to Hashem, Hashem, by killing this animal, I'm slaughtering the animal inside me. I'm slaughtering the animal impulse that's inside myself. I want to rid myself of that animal impulse, that animal voice, and I want to reign supreme. I want to be a godly. I want to be a godly spirit. Is that really the mission to kill the animal impulse or to redirect it? This is a fundamental difference between the Sefer Tanya, which we'll talk about tomorrow night at our Yutes Kislei Fabrengen, and the uh, and the Mesilas Sharm and most Musasvarim Balatanya for the Benoni had a very different perspective about what we're trying to do with that animal impulse, the animal instinct. Unlike most who suggest we're trying to slaughter it, eliminate it, purge it, get rid of it. The, the Balatanya, the Alter Rebbe's perspective is we're trying to redirect it, we're trying to channel it. We're trying to actually inject a Kedusha, imbue a holiness within even that animal impulse, that animal instinct. We'll talk more about that tomorrow night. So, so back to this. So um, this pillar, it rages, it rages like a fire, the Yitzhahara. 
so the Yitzhahara, it has a power that's greater than, than our rational brain. Just look in our own world. How many people, how many great men or women accomplished successful, smart, intelligent, ambitious, driven people for momentary pleasure of the Yitzhahara threw away their entire lives. Threw away their entire lives. Threw away their legacy, threw away their success, threw away everything, their good name. Why? For a momentary opportunity. Because they couldn't control themselves. For a moment. Driven by their ego, by their arrogance, by their id. Whatever they were driven by, they threw it all away. No shortage of this list. Right? The list is, is only growing with the Me Too movement, which is shining correctly, shining a light. Sunlight is the greatest disinfectant, said Justice Brandeis. And the internet provides a lot of sunlight and, and shines it on the people who who need to be disinfected. So, you know, the Matt Lauer and Tiger Woods and, and Bill Clinton and uh, Elliot Spitzer and, and Anthony Weiner, and uh, you go down the whole list. Right? These are people who, are, who, had, who had arrived at certain positions of success. It took something to get there. And yet, they didn't give it all up for some permanent pleasure, you know? What's his name? Who was the running back for the Dolphins who decided he liked smoking pot more than playing in the NFL? Oh. Williams, Williams, Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams. I don't admire Ricky Williams. Let me be on the record. I'm not telling you I admire Ricky Williams, but there is something incredible about a guy who said, I'm ready to give up millions of dollars in wealth because that's not the lifestyle that I like, that I find meaningful. I want to be able to lie on a beach, read books. He actually is a smart guy with a, with a degree who enjoyed challenging himself intellectually. But I like getting high. I like smoking pot and lying on the beach and reading books. And, and I like it more than being wealthy. So I'm walking away from the game at the height of the game. No one here knows what I'm talking about. Ricky yeah. Williams, remember yeah. Ricky Williams? Yeah. I'm not telling you I admire that guy, but he made a permanent decision in his life because he said that the permanent pleasure of this lifestyle, for me, transcends, it supersedes having all that wealth. These other morons didn't make a decision for a permanent pleasure and a change of lifestyle that would be forever. It was a momentary pleasure. It'd be fleeting, transient, gone in a moment. So if you would freeze the frame and you'd say to Bill Clinton, I know you just met Monica Lewinsky, but is this really worth it? You really want 30 years later, like the documentaries being put out about you. Like, is this what you want to be your name? You tell Elliot Spitzer, Anthony Winner, I know you just got Twitter on your phone. Is this really what, is this how you want to go down? Like, is this what you want the world to, is this what you want the headlines on the daily news to be about you? Like, no one in their right mind. Tiger, you're on track, you're going to surpass the record of majors, then you're going to lose it all, you're going to lose your, the game, you're going to lose the edge. Is it, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Everything you want to lose everything is it worth? Nobody would say yes. So how could it be? Rational, smart, intelligent, accomplished people throw it all away for a moment of pleasure. How could it be? How could it be? It defies logic. It defies logic. So Elamai, that's what the Gemara says. It's a, it, it's, it's a pillar of ish because this Yitzhahara it drives us to be irrational. That's exactly what it does. The Yitzhahara is like someone slipped you a mickey that, that caused you to, to, to be in a cloud that you can't think clearly, that your judgment is gone, and that you do stupid things. That's the Yitzhahara, only it's natural within us. Nobody had to slip anything in your drink. That's the power of the Yitzhahara. Okay, 
so was the, the drive within Yosef at that moment. I externally, he looked like, and by the way, we've seen this also in our generation, there are accomplished, certainly they were never Gedol Yisrael, there are supposedly accomplished Rabbanim with long beards and a long black coat and a big black hat and they publish lots of Svarim and they know lots of Torah and they too gave into this Nisan of Yosef, some of whom we all know about and have read about and others that you haven't read about but who have faded from the limelight and the Svarim have been pulled from the shelves because it turned out what they were doing with young women they were counseling or with, or with conversion candidates that they were supervising. So the Yitzhar is so strong that even people with great Torah even people accomplished in Torah and printing Svarim have fallen prey. Yosef was, had that incredible drive at that moment and nevertheless surpassed it. That's the schus that the sea saw and that it split. So how did he do it? What was his answer? And this is the beautiful insight. This is what I wanted to get to. Slonimer has such a beautiful insight over here. He says the answer is Yosef tapped into something that was above nature. When we view ourselves as, look, I'm just human. And I'm subject to the rules of nature. And nature implanted within me testosterone and a certain drive, the certain natural instincts, natural impulse, natural arousal, natural reactions. That's the way God created me. What do you want from me? That's how God created the world. It's biologically how God created me. And I, I'm, I'm part of the natural world. That's the nature of things. That's the way it goes. That's the nature of things. So if that's our attitude, you're right then your nature is to want to eat everything that's put in front of you. Your nature is to want to share every piece of gossip that you have. Your nature is to only care about yourself, to never want to give or share what you have with others. If you're driven by the limits, by the boundaries of nature, if you're going to use an excuse and a rationalization, that's, that's how it's naturally made. That's all there is. What can I do? You'll never be a Yosef. Yosef. more for Yosef, no? Because he was made extremely good looking. So Hashem, you know, put that in him so people... It was an even greater drive. Right. right. So it was an even greater drive for Yosef. Yeah, the women would climb over the fence to get a, to get a peek, to get a look. He right. was so good looking, he was so handsome. He had so many followers on, on his Yosef Instagram page. They all wanted a piece of him. He made the Yitzhara even greater, even stronger. So what was his solution? What was his strategy? Says the Islam Rebbe, he realized, you know, I have the power to be Lamalam and Ateva. Yeah, biologically, anatomically, chemically. Yeah, psychologically, I was created a certain way. All men were. The whole world was. That's how Hashem created up the created the world. But just because He put those natural drives within me doesn't mean I have to see myself as subject to nature. I can make nature subject to me. I love this kishmak insight. Pasuk says, Vayanas, Yosef ran, Vayatsachutza, and he ran outside. Uh, why do you have to tell me that? If he ran, where else did he run? Obviously, he ran outside the room. So, what are these extraneous words telling me? So, the Medrash says it's reminiscent. What's it reminiscent of? When, ya- when Hashem tells Avraham, Go outside. He escorts Avram outside and he says, Give a kick. Look up. Look up. Give a look at the stars. See all the stars? Count them. Thus will be your children. What Hashem was telling Avram, because all the Mepharshim are grappling with this. Count the stars. You know how many stars there are in the sky? If you went to Dr. Yosef Wolf's talk last week, or you could go this Thursday night, uh, Bennett was there. Yeah. I don't know how many galaxies, galaxies universes, gal- billions, Why gazillions, quadrillions, ga- whatever the numbers are. It's astounding. Avram Avinu is going to... One, two, three, wait. 
two, three, four. Avram was going to count all the stars in the sky. That's crazy. So the Salman Rebbe is saying, Pshadas Hashem was telling him, not you're going to be like the stars in the sky in number, quantitatively, you're going to be like the stars in the sky qualitatively. You see how the heavens are above earth? You see how they transcend over earth, they transcend nature, they're in the heavens? Look up. Look milamala. Look up. Because you and your children, you're going to have the power of up. You're going to transcend nature. You're not ruled by the natural world, by natural instinct, by the natural limitations. Avram, you altakakar, you old man, you have no right to be having children. You should be going to the early bird and pushing shuffleboard. What are you doing thinking you're going to be a tata, you're going to have a, a child at this crazy age? He takes him outside and he says, you're not subject to the rules of nature. Gravity, all these rules, you're too old. You're not subject. You see in the heavens, you see up there where I am, Hashem says, there's nothing holding anything back. There's just opportunity, just possibility. There is no impossible. There's only possible when you're when you transcend the natural rules. Just like Avram turned the impossible into possible, just like Avram believed in the unbelievable, so too Yosef. You think it's impossible to resist? It's impossible to run out? It's impossible to say no to this Yetzirah? Draw from the strength you have from your great Zayda. Draw from the Avram Avinu within you where the impossible is possible. You're able to overcome this impulse. You're able to overcome this instinct. Rav Meir Shapira, the Lublina Rav, has a great insight on this. I shared it in the parasha Ashir recently. He says, what does it mean, ko echa? Thus will be your children. You can't count the stars in the sky. He says, no. The ko echa is, Hashem says to Avram, Avram, your children are going to be like the stars in the sky. Start counting. Any normal person would have looked at Hashem and said, it's impossible, I'm not going to bother. Why am I going to start counting? It's impossible to count that number of stars. I'm not even going to bother. You know what Avram did? He started counting. Why? Because for Avram, nothing was impossible. And that's the ko yezarecha. Your children will be just like you, where they will turn the impossible into possible. If we didn't have that perspective for 2,000 years, would we be here today? If we didn't believe the impossible was possible, to face enemies, to face attempts to exterminate us, to face annihilation, to face disappearance, expulsions... If we didn't believe the impossible was possible, would we still be here? What Avram implanted within us is, when everyone else looked and said, that's impossible, forget it, it's never going to happen. He looked at the impossible, he said, that's possible. Look at the survivors and what they rebuilt and how they rebuilt and what they did to turn the impossible into possible. The entrepreneurship and the, and the sense of vision and the dream, the famous story of Rav Kahanaman and Panovich where all he saw was a hill, and he said, do you see what I see? And he said, I see an empty hill. He said, I see a yeshiva flourishing with boys. To turn the impossible into possible, that's the koi yezar echa. That Avram says, the Lublina Rav, who, who saw a world learning the daf yomi, millions, hundreds of thousands of people, and to make a siyam in a year on the, daf, on the, next, uh, on the next round of, of shas, of siyam ashas, to see the impossible and to make it possible. Ko yezar echa. And that's what the Salam are saying. Yosef had that legacy. The teaching he had was, don't ever think, ah, I can't lose the weight. I can't conquer my anger. I can't become patient. I'll never be generous. I'll never big a build, big, build a big business. I'll never save money. I can never retire. I can never heal my marriage. I can never, my children will never give me nachas. Never think 
that anything is impossible. Never give up hope and never say, look, that's just not my nature. I'm big boned. I have a different metabolism. I have a different anger inside me. I have a different rage in my belly. I have a different... Don't think my nature, my DNA, my genetics predispose me and I can't ever change it. We have the ability. We are lamalam in teva. That's all natural. That's teva. Teva is not an excuse. We are a people. Ain mazal Yisrael. We are a people who are transcend. We transcend the teva. We transcend the nature. Where do we get this from? Our great Zayda. Avram looked outside. He started counting. Hashem said, Ko You know what? We are a people that can make the impossible possible. And that's what gave Yosef the strength. Yosef drew strength saying, anyone else would have failed in this moment? Anyone else would have given in to their natural instinct, natural desire? Yosef says, nature, nature. Uh, that's not me, nature. I'm supernatural. I have the ability to be supernatural. When it means that Yosef he went outside means he went to the same place Avram went when he counted the stars. Just like with Avram it says Hashem took him outside outside of a world of nature outside of a world of what's natural so to Yosef he went outside of the place that's natural. He went outside of where we naturally go. How was he able to overcome this unprecedented and maybe unparalleled surge of the Yitzhahara? Because he didn't see himself as a subject of the Yitzhahara. He didn't care about the natural limitations. He didn't care what the lab report said, what the doctor said, what the psychologist He didn't care about the natural limitations. He said, I have the ability to transcend that nature. I can accomplish great things. It's never too late. I can make the impossible possible. Hashem says, I'm going to test you more than I tested them. And now we understand. What does it mean the sea split in the merit of Yosef bones that were crossing in it? What does that mean? The sea split in that merit. I love this Peshat al I say it every year, Pesach time, Shvi'i Pesach. What does it mean? It means that, what is it, just a cute play on words? That same word, Vayanas, Yosef ran outside, Yar Hayam Vayanas, the sea ran and split. Just a cute play on words? No. It's much, much deeper, says the Son of Rebbe. The sea, a body of water, is naturally one. Water flows to its lowest point, and water molecules stick together. You can't take a fork and a knife and cut a bowl of water into two. The water won't stay apart. The water flows to one. So the water looks at Hashem and he says, Hashem, you created me with a certain nature. Water molecules stick together. Water flows to its lowest point. What do you mean tell me to split? That's not how you naturally created me. I have a nature. There are rules that govern how I operate. What do you mean you're telling me to split? Hashem said, take a look over there. See that coffin? You see that arrow? It's passing in front of you? 
I gave him a nature too. You know what his nature was? A handsome, good-looking young man, far away from his family, abandoned and all alone, with certain Yetzirahs, a magnificent, beautiful woman, propositioned him ruthlessly, relentlessly, over and over again. And you know what he did? He went against his nature. He transcended his nature, you could transcend yours. And the sea said, okay, I'll split. It doesn't mean that we are to believe that literally the sea had a conversation with Hashem. But what it means is, says the Salam Rebbe, the notion of Vayanas, this word Vayanas, in what merit did the sea split? The sea split in the merit of the Aron Yosef is that Yosef reminded the sea and Yosef reminds all of us that just because naturally we're predisposed to have high glucose or a big appetite or anger or a lack of patience or, or, or an addictive personality or whatever it is that's our, that's our peckle that we're facing, just because that's our nature is no excuse. We are descendants of Avram Avinu. We come from the legacy of Avram. We come from a legacy of going outside of our comfort zone and going outside of our natural limitations and going outside of our genetics and transcending it to become who we're meant to be, to turn the impossible into possible. What was that fateful day when Yosef broke out of his natural limitations and lived a supernatural life? It was Shabbos. Every single piece we learn in the Salam Rebbe ends with applying whatever you just learned to Shabbos. That's the Chassid of Shisvara That day with her was Shabbos. Shabbos is the notion that all my work is done. The natural need and drive to have to work to produce. Shabbos is the idea that that's done. Now I can experience the supernatural. Shabbos, Shabbos, you can't be on the internet. There is no Yitzhahara. You can't be looking or searching or watching or doing. Shabbos, you can transcend our nature. The holier you are, the greater the opposition to it, the greater the enemy of it. The power of Shabbos, we can overcome our nature, overcome our limitations. I mentioned yesterday we did the Shir on, on, about Shalashudas, and we talked about that Shabbos is the only day that evolves, that grows, that develops. Every day in the weekday is the same. We say the same Shmona Esrei, Shachar Smencha Marav. Yantif, you say the same Shmona Esrei, Marav Shachar Smencha. Shabbos is the only one that you say a different Shmona Esrei because the day goes on. What does it mean the day goes on? It means the deeper you get into Shabbos, the more you're in touch in the reality of who you are, who you're meant to be, the best version of yourself. Shabbos, you're detoxing. You're going on a cleanse from technology, from the internet, from the world, from work, from troubles, and from, from all the to-do list and from all the, all the pressures and the burdens and the anxiety and you're able to peel off layer after layer after layer. The deeper you go into Shabbos, the more time you've spent with family, with friends, with Achnas Zorchim, the more time you've spent eating, not just to satisfy your boich, but the Shabbos Kodesh, Kavach Shabbos Kodesh. The deeper you go into Shabbos, there's more Zmiros, the more Divrei Torah. And by the time you get to Shal Shudas, Shal Shudas, the Raiva, the Raiva, and you get to the holiest time of, of the week, 
you, you're at the apex of your detox, of your cleanse from technology, from the obsessions and addictions of the world around us, the pressures, the shopping, the working, the doing, the going, the keeping up. And, and now you're able to reveal our truest, our truest sense. And that's why the, the Hasidim have Shalashidus in the pitch black and the dark. Nani and I were in New Square for Shabbos this past summer. Shalashidus, I described it yesterday, aside from being the greatest fire hazard in the world, is an incredible, incredible experience. Thousands of Hasidim packed into bleachers. The Rebbe comes out and he washes and he makes amotzi and he gives out the shirayim of the chala. And a few minutes into Shalashidus, the room goes black. When I say goes dark, if you've been to the Blind Museum in Tel Aviv, there's more light in the Blind Museum than there is at that Shalashidus. It is, you can't see your own hand in front of your own face. So after you panic a little bit and you settle in, it, it is an absolutely incredible. And it was that way for 45 minutes. 45 minutes where there's not one body in the room, all there are neshamas. There's just souls in that room. There's no inhibition. You're not worried about what you look like and how you're singing and are you singing and do you know the words? Is anyone looking at you and are you looking at other people? They're, all you are is in a shema. So at the apex, the climax of Shabbos, the raiva, the raiva, inshallah, the holiness, the end of Shabbos, you've peeled back all these layers. All the natural part of who you are is gone. You're in this pitch black room and all you are is a supernatural yid. You're someone who transcends nature. There's no limitation. There's nothing holding you back. There is no impossible. And that's the energy and strength that you take into the week ahead. Because that's their call, Shalashudas, the Yom Kippur of the week, the Ne'ilah of the week. What Yom Kippur is to the year, Shalashudas is to Shabbos. It's the moment where you feel, you know, in the Ne'ilah, you're like, this is the real me. I'm on fire. Who needs food? Who needs to ever, I'm, this is me. I'm never going to talk Lashon Har again. I'm never going to not come to Shul again. I'm never going to, then by the time you've broken your fast, you know, it's like it's gone. But at least for a moment, you get a glimpse into who you are, who you're meant to be, the best version of yourself. And that's what Shabbos Shabbos is. So that's what he's saying. Shabbos is this day. All this happened on a Shabbos. Because Shabbos is the day that gives us the capacity, the window to who we are, who we're meant to be, to peel back the layers, the limitations of nature, and to rise, vayanas, to go hachutza. Sometimes you have to go outside your comfort zone. And you have to say, you know what? I don't care if nature, I don't care if the odds, I don't care if the statistics are against me, I don't care if it looks like the trajectory is leading me in this path, I don't care what my genetics tell me, I don't care what my nature tells me, I, I have the ability to be supernatural, to go hachutza, to go outside, to leave my comfort zone, to leave my nature, leave my, leave my genetics, and to be who I am meant to be. Have a great week.